0: Today, I don't have a message for you. But today, I have two stories that I want to share with you. I love telling stories. Ask my kids. Because I make it up as I go. You know what I mean? That's the wonderful part of it. And I'm going to time myself because I love some of you so much. That story time doesn't go into seven hours. Especially when I make it up as I go. We are hey let me just look at you and tell you i i feel so honored that you would come out on this sunday morning after all these beautiful years that god has granted us the privilege to be here the fact that you are sitting here uh it humbles me that you would take this time to worship with the church family and to entrust me to articulate to you the best i know what god is saying to us and those who are joining us online from Albion Monroe Extension. So excited uh, that you are here with us in this moment. So today, we're going to be finishing up this series, Good, Beautiful, and Kind. Now the two stories I want to tell you, both of them leads us to two different places that we we will understand that faith without corresponding action is dead I would make it even as simple as to say love without loving action is dead because love is not goosebumps first Corinthians chapter 13 especially in the message the King James says love is patient King James no, King James says, loveth, etheth, patienteth. Uh, King, New King James, love is patient. I love how the message says, message says, love is when you are being patient. Love is kind. No, love is when you're doing kind things. In Scripture, Jesus said this to us. He says, if all you do is here, but do not put it into motion then the seed has fallen on soil where there's gonna be no fruit. But yet I want you to know that no word that we would ever speak is there to manipulate you into action, because then it's not faith, it's just manipulation. Because ultimately we have to choose our next step. So here is the first story. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't fall asleep in stories now. Don't fall asleep in stories don't fall asleep in stories because all the stories I'm about to tell you works from this very motto that we have been dealing with loving well is at the heart of following Jesus and both stories is about loving well now the Bible says in one of the villages it's not Luke it's Jesus that's me that's the Bible Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. Now let me tell you about leprosy. Leprosy was a highly contagious disease that started with the nerves and then rapidly progressed into a a deconstruction, a a, a destruction. destructive, regressive mm, aggression that goes into the limbs where hands are deformed and all feeling is lost and in time your extremity simply rots off. Now what is so sad about it, I read, it's historic that there was a group of lepers that was displaced out of a leper colony. Why a leper colony? Because people were so infectious like COVID. They put them in the leper colony, but what makes this so tough is that they had no place to stay when they were displaced, so they would sleep in the streets of the city, and they would come out late at night. They say that so often they would wake up, and rats, would have literally eaten the tips of their fingers and noses because they could feel nothing. And they were deformed humans. Now what makes leprosy so terrible in the Bible days, because they didn't have advanced medical science to explain what it is, the most simple conclu- simplest conclusion they came to was this was a curse of God on your sin. Now can you imagine the pain of leprosy, because science tells us that it runs in the bloodline. We as a church supported a pastor in India for so long who come out of a lep- leper family in India, but he didn't get the gene, so we didn't contract it, which allowed him to work among the lepers without getting leprosy. We supported, you supported him. Beautiful man. So these people not only sat with deformity, they sat with a stigma that they were cursed of God and there's no hope for them. Now can you understand the double pain that you've got to carry with that? Now this man came to Jesus and when the man saw Jesus, he bowed down with his face to the ground. First of all, he is breaking all protocol, religion and social protocol, because they were not allowed to get up to 6 to 12 feet away. And then they've got to shout, leper, leper, so that they move away. But he is coming close to Jesus, and then he's asking what so many of us ask all the time, I know that you can, but are you willing to heal me? I know you can intervene, but do you want to intervene? I know you can answer my prayers, but do you want to answer my prayer? Now, I love this. Ooh, I love this part so stinking much. You know why? Because check this out. Read with me. Jesus and boom-chaka-boom. If I'm Jesus, I go like, stay right there. You healed no 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 you know what's so beautiful about Jesus the moment Jesus touched him according to religious laws Jesus now became as unclean as a leper you go like why would he do it because it is so beautiful Jesus don't look at our sin he touched our sin and became our sin so that we could be free from our sin that's the kind of God he is in. That's why I want to say to you, no matter what you're going through, every t- time you touch the substance of your addiction, Jesus is touching the substance of your addiction. The substance of your struggle. Because he's a God that is intimately acquainted with your struggle. And he loves you. And then Jesus says what we can never forget. I am always He's willing. He's willing to move your mountain. He's willing to do great things in your life. And Jesus touched him, and he was instantly healed. Okay, now, then Jesus said to him, don't tell anybody about what just happened. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Why would Jesus say don't tell anybody? Because Jesus knew that he had honest goodness people that now are going to get all the sick in the world because Jesus knows that good news leaks like a sif, right? There's no way you're going to win the lottery and say, I'm going to keep it a secret, guaranteed. But Jesus also knew that there were men following around that wanted to entrap him. And I'm going to tell you about these men because I'm going to tell you about four men in a story. Now, these four men don't have names. I I wish, I wish scripture gave them names like Peter and John and whoever I wish scripture would tell us a little bit about these guys but scripture tells us nothing about these guys but through seeing what they do we can begin to kind of reverse engineer about this we don't know the relation of these four guys to the story I'm about to tell you but the Bible says one two three or four of these guys knew a man that was paralyzed that means this man couldn't walk could it be a friend could it be a work injury i don't know what happened but these guys did not have pity on that man they had compassion on that man you know what pity is the best way I can say it, and it's probably not the most eloquent way to, do, um, to say this. Have you ever walked past somebody and you go like, oh, it sucks to be you right now. And you just keep walking. A Pity means I see your pain, but I ain't doing nothing. Now, compassion is different. Compassion simply means to be moved on your insides to the same level of the pain of the person you have compassion on. Have you ever walked by somebody that you say, I cannot walk away. I cannot. I'm compelled to right now. I've got to do something. And the worst part is if you silence compassion, then you get in your car and now you have an internal battle. Why did I not stop? It doesn't leave you. I could have made a difference. Now it aches. It's pain. It's this. The Bible says these four men had compassion on a man. And The relationship we don't know. We find out one thing, that they had had a firm belief that the only hope for our paralyzed friends was to get into proximity to Jesus. They must have seen Jesus' open blind eyes, deaf ears. They must have seen that if anybody crossed the path of Jesus, something happened. They cannot guarantee it, but they have enough evidence to know His presence brings hope so these guys wanted to make a plan to get their paralyzed friend to Jesus because without their intervention he's never gonna get to Jesus you know a couple of weeks ago I volunteered to go buy new carpets at Ollie's (laughs) if you work for Ollie's I love Ollie's but I'm just gonna tell you Uh, Not much help there for people to get carpets at Ollie's. I mounted the carpet mountain like a stallion. I'm up there. I'm wrestling these carpets. Nobody told me green carpets weigh 900 pounds. I am up there. I'm filled with green carpet. Carpets everywhere. And every now and then somebody come by and I go like, thank the Lord. Then they go like, good job picking your carpet. Walk away from me. These carpets are so heavy. Oh my gosh. I aged buying these carpets. Why am I telling you this? Because carpets are heavy. It's woven material. These guys didn't have a stretcher. They couldn't call 911 and say we need an ambulance service to go to the house of Jesus. No. They took a carpet. They wrapped this man In a hammock on a carpet. And they started walking the cobbled roads in Jerusalem to the house of Peter. Why were they that determined? Because love compelled them. They loved what that man potentially could receive from Jesus more than the inconvenience and the pain. And the effort that it takes to bring them there. But as they got to the house, there were this group, and maybe one of your family members look like this, so I'm not judging this group. They were called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Can I tell you something? They, they look very mean, but these people um, were very strong believers, very strong commitment to the law, but it got distorted. Where they practice their righteousness and piety for the world to see. There is another thing about this. They love to control. They believed that they can set the circumstances that you've got to obey in order for God to work. I want to make this clear. God's going to work. How he's going to work. When he's going to work. If he's going to work. We do not control that, right? And so these men were not there to see more miracles. These men were there to catch Jesus breaking religious rules. And they are there because now they already know he touched a leper. They're there to condemn. You know who else was there? Everybody else that heard about the miracle. So as these guys are coming, every step is effort, sweat. Their their hands are bleeding. This dude is moaning because it's a painful journey. And they get to the house and they realize they cannot get in. You would think in a society that understands pain, they would go like, oh, we have a special one here. Make room, make room, make room. Oh, no, 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 no. This is not Disney Fast Pass. This is not how this works. Because these guys were determined to keep everybody away from Jesus. Jesus. Because if they lay people close to Jesus, Jesus becomes more popular than than them. What would you do if you were holding the Ollie's carpet with a man that you may not know that's paralyzed? And you get all the way there and there's no entrance. Well, the natural thing I would do is go like, okay, okay, enough is enough. I tried, look at my hands. I take one more step, then I'm dead. Can he raise the dead? You know what I mean? I, I'm just, I've tried. I've now justified that my faith is not dead. What would you have done? You know what these guys did? <laughs> Come on, read with me. So they went up to the roof and took some tiles. Wait. Four of them climbed on the roof and took some tiles. now they've got to go get the Ollie's carpet with a dude to get him on the roof now we're talking about effort now we're talking about risking your life why are they risking themselves to go to the furthest extreme I'm gonna tell you the love of Jesus compels us with love and I want you to know that in the society we are living in we may love God But we have forgotten that God so loved the world that He was willing to sacrifice the love of His heart for the love of the world. He was willing to go all the way because God loves the world, not just America. The world, He loves us. He loves the people that you don't believe is like you, people who don't want to be like you. We cannot be Pharisees and think we can make the rules under which God's going to work or who can come to God's house. It's not our house. No we should come to our church. No, I don't want to be in your church. I want to be in a place that's God's house. God's house. I don't want a club with rules. I want a house of grace. So the Bible says, Then they lowered the sick man on the ollies, Carpet into the crowd, where right at the feet of Jesus, why because they know proximity brings transformation. Yeah, it's my question. Just my question How many of us still believe proximity to Jesus brings transformation? How many of us still believe that? Because you see, transformation is needed when there is something visibly wrong with somebody. But transformation becomes less needed when we don't believe that there is, sin f- that there is something far worse than the physical ail- ailments. And this man had a dese- two diseases. He-, he was not only paralyzed, but he had another disease. And you're going to see Jesus address that disease first. He addressed that disease first. So what happened? Oh, I love this. I love this story so much. So they lowered this man with great effort in front of Jesus. And I can promise you, the Pharisees were offended. I can promise you, they got the same look than you get when you get to fast pass that Disney. And if you don't wear sunglasses and their hat, people are going to hate you the whole day. Because they stand in line and use the past. Listen to what Jesus said in that moment. Oh, this is so... No, go back, go back, go back to the scripture. Listen, listen to what Jesus said. First thing, seeing their faith. Uh, I've got a question. Actually, I've got three questions. How do you see someone's faith? Can I look at my wife and go like white t-shirt, white sneakers? Oh, you look like you love me this morning. I can see your faith. Do I look and go like, yep, people with beanie hats, they have faith. What, what did Jesus see that he says see? And who was there? Whose faith? Could I say this? Their action of the four men equaled faith. Otherwise, why the heck would they do that? Because without faith, it's impossible for God to do something. In other words, I'm here to tell you that if you do something, trusting that the outcome of that is going to bring transformation, that is the kind of faith that God sees, and God honors faith, and faith honors God. And Jesus said to this young man, come on, read it out loud. Your sins are forgiven. let me ask you this, was his sin the most obvious thing why he was there? No. But Jesus knew that there is something far worse than being paralyzed and that's the having the leprosy of the soul. Having sin, shame. Let me tell you what it is. The pain of being disconnected from the maker of heaven and earth. Because right now, That man's eternity was at stake when these guys realized we cannot get in. If we stop right now, we are saying we are giving up on this man's eternity. But because we are living in a world right now that has convinced us that there is no eternity with any outcomes, we all, no matter what we do, land in the arms of a loving God. I want you to know that's not how scripture says it. Scripture says that not only are we going to stand before the loving God, we are going to stand before the just God. It's destined for men to live, die, then judgment. And that judgment is not a judgment that God is looking forward to judge. That judgment is when you've placed your faith in your own doing, not in the doing of Christ, not receiving Him. And then you carry the burden of sin and shame. And every day what happens on the inside and how you feel is based on how clean you lived and how well you played. Thank God for the cross. It's not based on any of that. It's the fact that I know I cannot do it. And he touched my sin and became my sin so that I can be free. That is the good news that not only we carry, but that the world just doesn't understand they carry because they've been paralyzed by a world that is wired to breed unbelief, doubt, and cynicism. And then Jesus said the very next thing. He says to this guy, pick up your bed. Now I'm going to do the easy thing. Get up and walk. Oh, I love this. The Bible says everybody was gripped with wonder and awe. And church, can I tell you what I truly, truly believe from the bottom of my heart? We need the acts of God to grip everybody again with wonder and awe. And there is no greater act when God can change a life. That is spiritually dated and make it alive again. There is no greater thing that I can celebrate in my life. That once I was paralyzed in doubt and cynicism. But I'm walking right now. Still wrestling things. But I'm no longer what I used to be. That faith in Jesus does make a difference. And they say they praise God. Exclaiming. We have seen amazing things today. You say okay Pastor P." Seven minutes to the end of service. And um, what's the story about? I believe all of us have proximity by divine appointment, by family birth, to people who have been paralyzed by disappointment, doubt, unbelief, The arsenic of our culture. They are paralyzed. They have no intention to ever get into proximity with Jesus. For some of them, they have a thousand good reasons. And every one of them is good. Because God has been so misrepresented on the earth. But here you are. And you see, there are two factors. Compassion and somehow a belief that proximity with Jesus may not guarantee an outcome, but it's the only hope we have. Since they're not going to come by themselves, and since I love so deep, will I take my Ollie's carpet, for some of you, that's a GMC with air conditioning, and will I load them in my carpet and bring them to an opportunity this Easter, to be in the presence of Jesus. If nothing happens, then nothing happens. But in 23 years, I have seen more happens than what not happens in the proximity of Jesus. Or or you can simply say, you know what? As long as I show up, as long as I'm here, and I applaud every single one of you being here, That means I can see your faith. But church, when you love so deep, when God pours out compassion in our hearts, every single one of us in this place did not come to the proximity of Jesus alone. Somebody led us to his presence. Somebody, not a single person just wandered in here. Every single human being is tied to somebody that says, come with me. I'm going to tell you, everybody, I am tied to a person. And if God worked it out that we've got to be tied to someone who believes, who are you going to believe for? Because statistically, look around you. If every family brings one person, Not because we want to fill the church. I'm so over that. Not because we want to build a mega church. I'm over that. Not because we want to look good in the media. I No, 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 no. I've climbed that pole. There's only bird poop up there. I don't want to climb no pole. You know what I care about? Is that we never become insiders that self-justify and become Pharisees that talk about the lost people out there. I cannot be... My heart cannot reconcile that. Everybody that hates church, I have compassion on it because the church has given them a reason to hate. Not Jesus, not God. Those who raping God has made a terrible, terrible, including me, terrible job of it. But it's time for us to say, God, give me a compassion for my neighbor, for my family. For those I know, and all it takes, I believe, is to get an invite and pray over it and say, Jesus, show me the person that would say yes. And all I can do is bring them with me and pray for them that week. And may your presence brings forgiveness and raise them from the paralysis of doubt cynicism may they become alive in your presence so what will you do now there is another story that I love even more this story is quite humorous really because this story is about two sisters see I'm fair four men two sisters and these two sisters what are so interesting about them Jesus came to this village and where a woman named Martha, what did she do? Come on. She welcomed him. You know the word welcome right there means hospitality or love for a stranger. Love for a stranger. Love for a stranger is what we have been called to do God instructs us he says my disciples will practice love for strangers because xenophobia means a hate for the stranger I'm suspicious of you you don't look like me you don't vote like me so I'm gonna push you out now, that's not what we are taught love for the stranger and what is she gonna do she's gonna invite him into her home okay now guys go ladies this is not really uh, gender-specific, but in my house, somehow it is. Whenever my wife and I decide that we're going to host, I'm always eager. I go like, yeah, come on over, right? Um, because we loving people over. Once my wife said, I'm going to have nothing to do with it. You and Josh Jansen that always thinks it's so easy. You arrange the party. I go like, Josh, you've got it, right? You've got it. There's 20 people coming, Josh. I'm gonna get the ice out, I'm gonna make everything. You get the food, Josh. We're gonna show my it's not that hard. Josh came with one bag of hot dog buns, I think one Coke and half a pack of sausage. (laughs) And I go like, dude, that's not what it looks like when my wife plans this. You're gonna make us look really bad right now. Because the to-do list when people come over exhorts me before the party even starts. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh! I've got to get a crown in heaven for that, because my wife thinks of everything. She thinks about what you're gonna feel when you arrive and what you would smell to make you happy when you arrive. She writes little notes, little notes that's been placed on the toilet. I go like, nobody wants to read. I love you when you sit on the loo. You know what I mean? Um, um, Baby, baby, I'm cleaning places I have never seen. She goes on and on and on. You know why? She has a deep love for hospitality. Deep love. She wants to know you to know how valued you are. You want to think of nothing. There's no lack. There's no, we have no more coke. Never. You will never run out. Hospitality. But I can tell you this: if I can write it this way. Hospitality. If I'm spelling this wrong, it's because I'm Dutch. Equals. Hard. Uh, Boom. Hard work. But. It's so worth it. And then came the drama. Come on, turn to your neighbour and say, "There's always drama with us. Always drama. Oh, because we've got two women, and the women are not the drama. The drama it comes with the drama, because one of the women. Let's pick her. Her name's Mary, and this one's name is Martha." Maybe it's in their personalities. Martha is my wife. Mary is me. I go like, how hungry are they? Let them go eat at home. Because to me, there is always something that's more important Is why we gather. Now, they knew that Jesus is in the house. And can I say this to you? Whenever we gather, the most important thing is proximity to the presence of Jesus. The most important thing. But Jesus comes into the house, there's not hospitality. The house is not conducive for anybody to actually receive from Jesus. So Martha, she is working in its righteous work, preparing the house because that equals hospitality love for the stranger but Mary I've got a feeling that she has been burned working with Martha I think she has worked so hard and maybe Jesus was there and when Jesus left she brought in the last dish and she missed everything that happened in the presence of Jesus and maybe she says I'm done being hospital he's there I'm there but Martha came and she said to Jesus, Don't you care that my sister is sitting at your feet watching me burn rubber? Well, Jesus, what Jesus was literally, she's asking, she says, There is a tension, Jesus, between preparing the house, So that we can all sit at your feet. You know what the trouble is, church, with what I'm sketching? Because some of you go like, I don't even like that story. So what is the problem here? I'm going to tell you what what it is. Did you know that the Father's house and I'm going to do the best? No, that's not working. I'm going to do the best house that I can for you right now. Obviously, you can see I have the gift of drawing. Let's make sure they know it's a church. Every Sunday, when all of us come into this house, the amount of work by Martha's—let's call it Martha work—is extensive. Paul asked me, hey, did you sleep this week? I said, why? Because I set off the alarm once at 1 a.m., another time at 4 a.m., because I'm so excited for Easter. The dogs woke me up, I go like, I can't fall asleep if I'm awake. I came to work, I prayed with expectation, because there's so much to do. There is Martha work to do right now, our volunteers. There's guys up there that have been working every weekend I've not seen them in the seats right there. But without them, this message doesn't go out alive. It can't go to the prison. It can't go anywhere. They are moth away. And I promise you, sometimes they look out that window and they see all the Marys on this side sitting at the feet of Jesus. They love you, but if they could punch you, they would. Because there are so many of you that if you only knew amount of technology up there and you can learn professional videography and this message goes to the ends of the earth. If you could say you can count on me for one Sunday then those Martha's can be here at least one Sunday at the feet of Jesus. There's people working in the nursery right now. You go like, I'm not going to change diapers. Oh, it's never about what you do. It's the opportunity of proximity to children. Some of them not been hugged all week. To just show them love and pray over them. It's raising greatness. It's not volunteering. It's showing hospitality to God's creation. And the worst thing we, that we, we, we have seen is Martha's get burned out because they serve every weak and they never at the feet of Jesus and then they get resentful they get angry and they leave they feel misused but being merry is fun because you show up with hands that take here's my last scenario come on high five your neighbor and say he's done he's done what is your name sir David, David, you invite me to your house. I don't watch football, so what else can we watch? Rodeo. Rodeo. I'll watch rodeo. (laughs) I'll watch rodeo because that's just stupid and insane. I'll watch rodeo. (laughs) So David said to me, every Monday you come to my house and and I'm going to treat you like a guest. We're going to watch rodeo. So David, I say, yes, guaranteed. David's going to clean this joint up and he says what do you like to drink what do you like to eat and he's going to make the effort I guarantee you first week he'll give up his favorite chain potentially pass me the remote that's big so I come in, I'm a guest, I sit, and he comes like, he says, hey, Pastor P. Diddy, well, pizza. I go like, yeah. He goes and gets the pizza, and he gives it to me. Why? He's showing love for a stranger. Well, you want a drink? Yeah. Get me anything as long as it's light. I've got to drink. I've got to drive home. Okay. There we say, I'm not saying I'm drinking. I'm just saying it's a story. And, and there I sit, and, and, and he is doing it. And, and then at the end, I go like, hey, I've got to go home. And he goes like, don't worry, I'll clean up. I'll clean up. Don't worry, I'll see you next Monday. Next Monday, I show up. I go sit in the same chair and I go like, Hey, where's the pizza? Right? Where's the stuff? He's going to go like, Oh, I love serving my pastor. Love doing this. How many more weeks before I'm no longer a stranger, now I'm a friend? And I get in there and goes like, Don't sit in my chair. I swear it's anything. Go buy your own. <laughs> hey, Pastor P, when are you going to bring the pizza? I've got an idea. I go upstairs tonight while you clean the joint so that we share in the responsibility of being together. Come on, how many tell say that makes sense? So church, I want to say this to you. We have an opportunity and this is not about volunteering. I don't like that word. Volunteering is like you are doing unpaid work when you should be paid. Serving is what Jesus modeled When his disciples came into the house, there should have been somebody to wash their feet. Jesus bent down and he washed their feet. Why? Because it had to be done. And he says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, learn to serve other people and love the stranger. Love the stranger. There is an opportunity for you in this booklet. And there is a little invite. Josh, do you have that small uh, paper invite? malisa has got it there. Everybody receive one of these. Little opportunity and we can pass them out right now to create a possible next step for you I'm not forcing you into it because understanding this without action if I tell him no man I love to come to your house when you serve me but if I've got to serve you I ain't doing this how many more weeks will you invite me you'll go like no no we're friends now it's an opportunity for you to say yes to make yourself available all the Easter services for one service to say, I'm just going to say yes and, and just take a baby step of being available to prepare the house so that we can all sit at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to be available to just take a leap and say, hey, if you want to know all the places that you can serve, after service the fishbowl is over there and they're gonna hand you all the opportunities that can explain where you can serve. But here's the big thing. Personally, I don't care where you put me. Serving is why I want to serve. I don't go like, well, I don't like um, that and I don't know. Nobody likes it. But serving, Jesus says, what you've done to the least of them you've done unto me. So church, let me conclude this, but let me first just Get past this Picasso. So distracting. Both of these will transform and change those around us. The question is, can we move past apathy and indifference? so that our lives can lead with a yes and the evidence of what that looks like. Our world is desperate to see those who live out their faith like Jesus. Father, I pray right now. I pray that through your grace and mercy and love, God, everything around us is so determined to snuff out the good work in us. But God, no darkness can overcome the light of heaven. So I pray that in every heart, everybody would say a yes to something. Give us compassion for our families, our friends, our co-workers. God, let us prepare this house in such a way that everybody gets to sit at the feet of Jesus. That is my prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen.